I was running the Game Changer Innovation Program. I had come here on a holiday. And while on the trip, I had read Dr. King's autobiography. I had stumbled on the fact that he had traveled to India. And I had just connected the dots that while we all say he was inspired by Gandhi, Gandhi was dead when Martin Luther King Jr. had visited India. So the hypothesis that I had made was uh, it was the trip to India that had shown him what non-violence or ahimsa in action is by uh, interacting with India's people, India's culture and the wisdom. So that's the reason I wanted to uh, do a social experiment of uh, can we also uh, try the same um, methodology and uh, bring the victims of violence uh, from America today and can they also learn the non-violence uh, philosophy of India that Dr. King also must have learned. Welcome to That's So Hindu, the podcast brought to you by the Hindu American Foundation. I'm Matt McDermott. In this episode, I speak with Mandar Apte. Mandar is a former petroleum engineer turned filmmaker, meditation teacher, and ambassador for peace. We discuss his documentary From India with Love, his work teaching police officers how to meditate, and how the pandemic has changed his teaching. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk. I know it's uh, it's late here in the United States. It's really there in India. So first question, um, you used to work at Shell, then you became a filmmaker. And now give, it, give everybody an update on what, what you've been doing. So Matt, uh, it's great to speak with you. And, uh, you know, our association goes back a few years. The last time I remember we, we also had a night. Nice- uh, dosa here in Mumbai. <laughs> we did. We did. It was very good. So uh, life has been good. Um, exactly five years ago, this day, uh, I had a dream and I had hosted six victims of violence from across the United States in India for 10 days. So it's a five year anniversary of that. It's five, it's five years today. I realize for, for listeners, I'm breaking all the rules here. Um, the film we're talking about that you, that came out of this bringing people to India is from India with love. It's available on iTunes and all sorts of places. And that was five years ago today. I did not know that while scheduling this, how fortuitous. Yeah. Most things are, if you uh, remove your mind from it, everything is meant for a reason. So today is a very interesting day because five years ago I was still working at shell. I was running the game changer innovation program. I had come here on a holiday And while on the trip, I had read Dr. King's autobiography. I had stumbled on the fact that he had traveled to India. And I had just connected the dots that while we all say he was inspired by Gandhi, Gandhi was dead when Martin Luther King Jr. had visited India and he stayed here for five weeks. Nobody stays anywhere for five weeks, especially when you are busy. So the hypothesis that I had made was uh, it was the trip to India that had shown him what non-violence or ahimsa in action is by uh, interacting with India's people, India's culture and the wisdom. 
So that's the reason I wanted to uh, do a social experiment of uh, can we also uh, try the same um, methodology and uh, bring the victims of violence uh, from America today and can they also learn the non-violence uh, philosophy of India that Dr. King also must have learned. And so um, I had brought the parents from the Sandy Hook School, a uh, former gang member and uh, Black Lives Matter activists. So that was five years ago. That trip was so transformational for everyone, including me, that I uh, decided to quit my job and uh, look into how I can be a part of the solution. Because I think what happens is uh, there is so much violence, in, especially in the United States, that we have become uh, immune, we have become desensitized. And so my uh, key moment of truth uh, was if violence happens to me or, you know, in the neighborhood school, that school of where I live, maybe I will do something about it. And so I thought, uh, let's, you know, look at, can we promote peace and compassion actively rather than wait for an act of violence? Because whenever an act of violence happens, uh, we put candles and flowers and give hugs and say, oh my God, this should not have happened. So that is like, um, what are we doing? We are waiting for an act of violence to show our compassion. Why can't we do that? actively so that was that is my journey last five years uh, i uh, have been extremely blessed humbled and grateful for coming out of my shell i would say how many lines how many times you've been working on that coming out of your shell coming my uh, um, <laughs> coming out of shell coming out of your shell sorry i did <laughs> My, my, my sense of humor is uh, getting the better of me here. You've moved to California, so that explains it. Oh, oh, oh yes. All right. Sorry. So five, five years ago, taking all these people to India, gang members, Sandy Hook, people, victims of, you know, families of Sandy Hook victims. What, what sort of impact do you think the film has had? And and, and how have you, you know, leveraged that? I know, I know that there's been talk over the years of bringing um, people involved in law enforcement and working with law enforcement. How, how, how is that going? Um, and, how, and how does that fit in with the work that you've been doing? So the film is, uh, you know, an unscripted documentary, as they call it. And it's a real story. Um, and so it still tears me up. Like whenever I watch it, for me, it's like fresh. And many people who watch it that I have, you know, been in the in live presence, like in theatrical screenings, um, they ask me, when is your next trip? Because they want to experience the same healing and transformation that they see on screen. So uh, I have so far taken four trips uh, my last uh, delegation was 34 people, 17 police officers and police chiefs from different parts of the United States and 17 members of the communities of color, again, from different parts of the United States. So 34 people I have hosted 
we traveled in a bus we uh, meditated together we visited uh, museums and temples together we ate food together so it was a very transformational experience even for me as a petroleum engineer from shell and here i am leveraging the soft power as they say of india and the culture of india to uh, bring people together and uh, find oneness and uh, heal themselves in the process so that expedition to india that pilgrimage to india uh, uh, you know whoever has come here including steve jobs and mark zuckerberg and so many other people that have come here have experienced that transformation but we are bringing people who are uh, you know desperately in need of that healing and that solace so that is one differentiator that we focus on uh, people who uh, need this more than anybody else and the second thing that happened uh, is uh, the police chief of los angeles hosted a screening of this documentary film and about 450 people came to the screening in los angeles and thereafter he asked me a question uh, how do i want to scale up what i'm doing because you can't take all of los angeles to india he said so can you bring india to los angeles so that is where another like pivot happened in my um, endeavor is uh, i relocated to los angeles since the last time we met also and that is where we started looking at uh, problems social challenges which is uh, tension between community members and police officers and we started bringing uh, these different stakeholders that seemingly have nothing in common like victims of gang violence um, gang members of opposite gangs at risk young people and the police officers that uh, are in that neighborhood there is seemingly nothing in common however they are all traumatized and so that is why they come together they come together in the spirit of healing their trauma and becoming an ambassador of peace and that we have done repeatedly now in los angeles about six times um in 2019 and 2020 because uh, of the murder of george floyd and the social unrest that happened um, our work was uh, uh, yeah valued i would say by different communities and civic leaders from all over the us so currently i am doing my work in seattle uh, we have just started exploring minneapolis and rochester uh, and it's just humbling where this has all come to um, Five years ago, I I didn't have any idea that something like this is going to unfold. What what's the reception been from police when you come to them and start asking them to embrace this philosophy? Do you have you been welcomed with open arms? Has there been pushback or skepticism? What I imagine is, is there's a range, but but what what's the most common response? so the way we do our program is uh, it starts with uh, an uh, introductory module that we have made where uh, we have used the documentary film that i'm uh, sharing the from india with love film and we have used it as a catalyst to start a conversation about self healing self care and self love 
So uh, it's an educational module. So people undergo, of course, they watch the documentary and then they are exposed to some theory about how violence happens and how we can heal ourselves, how we can transform the negative emotions that an act of violence leaves you with, how you can transform it through the practice of breath and meditation techniques. And so that module becomes a messenger, right? So people can, it's a self-paced module. So people can do this at their own uh, liberty of uh, where they are watching the module. And that is uh, how transformation begins because you have to invite people on a journey of self-care and police officers, for example, uh, my experience is they, they go into policing because uh, they want to be part of the solution, of course. They want to make a good community, make it safe. But I think what happens is over the over time, because they are also exposed to so much trauma that they also become desensitized. So I think that is where um, police officers need to look inward for their own self-care because their job otherwise is designed for failure, Matt. Mm -hmm. Their job is designed for failure because uh, uh, mental health challenges are part of every police officer, guaranteed. And if you ask them what they are doing about it, the management, the leadership will say, uh, you know, we have once a quarter a wellness day and we do, uh, you know, there is a counselor and that simply is not enough for the kind of stress that these guys have. So that is where uh, our program, because it's based on breath and meditation practices. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very healthy alternative to uh, the negative effects of stress that people might uh, experience. And there's a lot in that, right? So there's um, suicides, police suicides and police brutality. All that is a symptom uh, that something is wrong and that something, you know, is trauma. And unless that trauma is healed uh, on a daily basis, just like we brush our teeth every day for dental hygiene, we need to look at mental hygiene of people who are in especially high stressed jobs like nurses, frontline workers, teachers, police officers. They need these tools. They absolutely need these tools. How do you think these techniques and just to frame these techniques, this is coming out of, I know you're affiliated or have done, um, at least work with art of living. Are you formally affiliated, affiliated with art of living now or is what was that relationship? So I, um, I'm an art of living teacher and the program includes, uh, group processes, interactive discussions and breath and meditation practices that Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, the Indian humanitarian leader has designed. Mm -hmm. I've benefited from this program about 18 years ago when I was a petroleum engineer at Shell. And so I have been a teacher of the art of living programs and uh, cities for peace is using the quote unquote chocolate of meditation with the wrapper of leadership development. The, the technology of peace that uh, we share is when we have negative emotions, 
some people know how to manage them some people have no idea that negative emotions can be managed so that is the inequity that creates violence either violence towards ourselves or violence towards the other the reason is unhealed trauma unhealed negative emotions and so that is where the gift of india to the world i would say is the practice of breath and meditation which uh, shri shri has designed this technique called sudarshan kriya where you look at the rhythms of the breath that every emotion has a corresponding breathing pattern so when we are angry when we are sad when we are frustrated we will notice that we breathe differently and the reverse is also true using the breath or the rhythm of the breath you can manage your emotion you can delete your unwanted emotions and that is true empowerment right and that is where every leader needs to empower uh, his or her own leadership potential and the question we should ask is how can i get rid of my negative emotions because if we don't then our decision making becomes clouded based on certain events and the negativity that is uh, clouded around based on that event like i said some people are good at managing it their own way some people have no idea that it can be done to to return to the question which i went off on a tangent on with with the context which i think is important um how, what do you think would be the effect of these techniques or how do these techniques play into issues that have come to light so dramatically with you mentioned George Floyd earlier and we've seen since then you know so many um protests that are you know bona fide white supremacists anti-semites people that you know they seem the rhetoric is just outright hateful it's beyond just you know it's beyond just trauma it seems how do you feel that the techniques that you're you're promoting can help diffuse these situations create um a more peaceful productive world so i mean matt i don't say that we have the silver bullet and this is the only way so let me start with this is a humble attempt to be part of the solution and every community every city or for that matter every individual has their own challenges and they need to first start thinking about these challenges i need to come out of the negativity that uh, i have faced so you have to start from within right uh, nobody can help you if you don't want to be helped so let's assume that okay people now listening to this podcast have have some resonance with what i'm saying whether the violence that we have seen it could be childhood trauma it could be um, you know relationship trauma it could be domestic abuse bullying any kind of this uh, quote unquote violence leaves an impression leaves uh, a mark on you and sometimes or of often times these events and these emotions then determine who you become and how you deal with situations so first step is 
we need to realize that we are being affected by these uh, emotions and traumas and pain and stuff that we don't want so once you have once you are on that inquisitiveness or curiosity or i want a solution right then programs like ours will definitely help you because we what we are teaching is very universal and uh, quote unquote common sense like breath patterns linked with emotions the reverse is also true it's common sense like we have all experienced it i'm not teaching you anything new i'm just reminding you of what already happens and the second is based on uh, our program the report that i also had 18 years ago is that these techniques are very effective like within 3 4 days of practice during the training you have already felt the impact you have already felt the transformation so it's not you have to practice 6 months and then you feel the results so that becomes easy in a fast paced world everything is quick so what's can you walk people through this training what what can people expect what how long are people going to be sitting in meditation to start are we talking 10 minutes 20 minutes half an hour so no background of yoga meditation is needed for this training uh, the training uh, the basic training consists of uh, 3 or 4 sessions of 2 hours each where you are uh, uh, looking at uh, you know our existence like we have seven layers to our existence our body is just the gross layer this other six layers are our breath our mind our intellect that always judges makes choices then our memory our ego and then our self so these are the seven layers that we all have as a human being and the stress that i spoke about could be at any of these levels like you would have stress in the body you could have stress in your mind your intellect could be stressed over judgmental people you can say stressed intellect memory could be stressed if you always remember the trauma the negative events in your life then your memory needs to be cleansed and ego like how can you transform yourself so that you are not uh, coming out as you know it all in fact you know it all is okay but when when we when we are in that mode of i know it all it usually is associated with a tale other people are dumb hmm. so how can you transform from i know it all to i can learn from all quote unquote be more humble mm-hmm. this is a inward journey you can't improve by reading a book that will be short lived but once you look at for uh, tools and that is where the science of yoga and meditation has been proven for thousands and thousands of years sudarshan kriya practice the art of living's uh, cornerstone technique it's just a, a gift you are giving yourself you know self care and solace so that practice is about 10 minutes of uh, breath work very profound that uh, knocks your socks off and you are taken in a you know you're transported into a a state of quote unquote quiet time that you spend and that is where healing happens so uh, the breath has a lot of secrets and it uh, it heals 
and you don't have to be stressed to do this program you can improve your energy levels you can improve your clarity you can improve your innovative ability so you don't have to be stressed or you don't have to have faced trauma to improve yourself uh, in fact leadership is all about improving yourself not improving others because once you transform yourself you can look at the same situation with a different lens and that is genuine leadership you you start come you know compassion comes to you empathy comes to you and decision making becomes more impactful i would say you can bring people along so this program is a leadership program and uh, look at it as a uh, self development and the pandemic gives us the opportunity to do such things because we are not traveling anywhere we are at home and all the workshops are taught on zoom so i would encourage everybody that is listening just check it out keep all your biases and inhibitions away and just give it a fair trial you know if uh, los angeles pd and former gang members and uh if they can transform anybody who is listening can transform and just transformation is not enough mat i think our societal degradation has gone to such levels that we now need to become an ambassador of peace hmm. so that is our program is not just stress management how can you be part of the solution Great. Um, I normally save plugs for the end, you know, where people could find you, but since we're just on it right now, if people want to find out more about these programs, how can they do so? So two, two websites, artofliving.org. That's the website for, uh, you know, the learning the Sudarshan Kriya breath practice for yourself as an individual. And then uh, my specific program is uh, cities, C-I-T-I-E-S, the number four, peace, P-E-A-C-E dot org, where we are uh, offering this leadership program using the Sudarshan Kriya breath practice to organizations and uh, communities. So if you want to bring this program in your community as a community leader, uh then you can reach out to the cities for peace uh, website uh, connection great um it's occurred to me the in the middle of this um wasn't originally on the, on the question list but considering from from india with love was you know inspired by martin luther king and gandhi how do you feel about the spate of statues of gandhi being um attacked in the United States in the past couple of months since December, there've been at least two incidences, one in uh, California and one in Washington, DC. I mean, how do you feel, uh, feel about that? I mean, it seems, I don't know. It seems odd to me. I mean, to me, I mean, anybody that looks at Gandhi's life, it, well, he was a human being and had flaws in many ways, but how, how how do you balance those with the overriding message of nonviolence and peace and personal transformation? So uh, I am part of a very interesting coalition that is started by Dr. Claiborne Carson. He's the one who edited Dr. King's uh, autobiography and is now the executive director of the MLK Center at Stanford. He's seventy five and he has put all his adult life in. promoting the life work and values of uh, nonviolence 
So I am a part of that uh, network that Dr. Carson has started, and we have just released a statement on uh, the unfortunate incidences in uh, Cal Davis. Um, you know, everybody has something or the other that people don't like, right? Is there anybody that is so perfect that everything we do, everybody likes? Not possible. So we all have our flaws. We all have, you know, things that we wish we could uh, be aware of. Uh, so you can criticize, you can um, be constructive in that criticism, but violence is not uh, acceptable. I think violence uh, in, uh, in the long term will only create more disharmony and you will never achieve your end goal. Uh, protesting, of course, part of democracy is uh, protest, uh, having your freedom of speech to do what you want and say what you want, but it should never cross the line of uh, breaking the law and taking law in your hand. And then you will face uh, whatever charges and the law will take over. So I would, I would say I don't stand for violence. The same energy that people are putting in uh, doing any violent act, that same energy can be channeled in doing something to uplift individuals and societies. Uh, and we should always believe in the inherent good in everybody. Like even, uh, you know, a culprit. If we are able to see that there is a victim in that person that is crying for help, it suddenly changes the way we look at the individual. And uh, I don't stand for violence. It should, uh, it should be, uh, it should not be the way to improve society. At the same time, uh, there are certain situations and uh, reasons why uh, you may need to be violent because of the oppression because that has uh, reached a certain point where if you don't stop it, um, it might hurt other people. And that is why you should stand up for justice. So nonviolence in the true sense doesn't mean sitting quiet and taking injustice and, you know, bearing injustice. Absolutely not. So that is where most uh, nonviolent activists also have misunderstood the Indian philosophy of Ahimsa. That uh, Ahimsa, which translates to a lack of violence, and lack of violence is what? Is love, is unconditional love. So if your actions are coming from that state of unconditional love, then at some time, violence, you will need to because you want to stop the other person from repeating that behavior. So that should be the final recourse. But I would say we should, we should never sit back and uh, we should uh, always stand up for injustice. Mm. Mm. So obviously the pandemic has affected all of us. Um, in ways that we anticipated and, and 
and unanticipated. How, how do you think this has affected your work? You mentioned that, you know, we don't have, most of us aren't traveling around that much anymore, if at all, depending on where you live and your personal situation. Um, how, how is, how has this all affected your ability to do your work and how has the transition to, to zoom been for you? So one exactly like 11 months ago, I started teaching on zoom and in the beginning I felt, Oh my God, people are not getting that personal time, personal attention. I don't think it's going to work, but to the contrary, I feel like this has democratized and, um, yeah, made people more curious about their inner self-care. The pandemic is the elephant in the room. We have now all, the whole world has experienced what it means to be uh, living in fear, anxiety, frustration, helplessness, um, and all of these emotions together, right? So that is where we, I feel, need to look at the pandemic and the time that we have to look at how can we transform our emotions and boost our immunity. So why should you learn how to breathe and meditate is the virus is still out there. And if you don't boost your immunity, uh, it's, uh, it's going to affect you. Negativity is going to affect you. So that uh, is where I started like talking to all my friends that I had made all over the world that, Hey, I'm teaching this. This is what I'm doing now. I'm no longer at shell. Everybody knew that I'm a meditation teacher. I had also trained about 2000 executives at shell when I was uh, at shell. So many friends this year have done the program with me online uh, from world economic forum to uh, partners at Accenture people that I would never have been able to teach just because I don't live in their cities and uh, police officers uh, currently 200 police officers in Seattle are doing our program and the online module also helped because you know I had to create online content everybody's looking for online content so I think the pandemic we need to use the time in the pandemic to take a pause because it's a, it's a pause that will help us recalibrate our purpose in our life. What are we spending our time and uh, what do I want to put my time? Life is very short. How do I want to live my life? This question needs to be in leaders of communities and organizations. And peace, there is no higher purpose than promoting peace today. So most of the Indian American community, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Like, what are you putting your time on? Another exit, another, you know, VC deal that you made. Great. But is that it? Why not look at promoting the culture that you represent from India? There are so many ways that you can promote the culture through food, through Ayurveda, through yoga, through meditation. Uh, and, you know, unless we stand up and promote our culture, uh, our younger generation has uh, no clue about the benefit or the impact of that uh, culture and wisdom. So I... I started a good habit, Matt. Uh, I started adding five new people on LinkedIn every day just to expand my own lateral networks. 
and having one new conversation every day. And if I don't meet somebody on LinkedIn who wants to talk to me that day, I just go now uh, on the street and talk to a shopkeeper. <laughs> How is their life? How did they go through the pandemic? A taxi driver, because th- those conversations remind me to be humble. How did, how did that go? I, I want to know because a couple of years ago, I realized that through my work at HAF and before, uh, before HAF, that I knew all these people new in air quotes online, you know, on Facebook, you know, mostly on Facebook, I guess is what I'm talking about that I, I had never met. And some of which, some of whom I had interacted with, but I, I I'd never actually met in person. So I started this project where I wanted to reach out to people and actually have real conversations with them and perhaps actually get together and have coffee on these people. And it fell flat. Nobody responded to me. So <laughs> it, I, I felt I completely humbled and disheartened in some balance of, of measure because you know, cause you're right. It's like we get into our little silos and we, many of us have this circle of people that, you know, th- that we know again in air quotes, but we don't actually know. So I, I find it admirable, you know, take it upon yourself just to talk to people to make that conscious effort to expand that. For me, it's conversations and you don't know what a conversation can lead to. So I do this daily habit for the last 11 months and I have expanded my networks from some amazing human beings on the planet that I wish I had known them 10 years ago while I was still at Shell and what amazing work we could have done together. Like those conversations are very precious. And especially, uh, you know, what I've realized is uh, there is so much misinformation about India in the West because most of my American left liberal friends are leading, you know, journalists from a certain media house. And uh, of course, they are being um, opinionated based on whatever experience this journalist must have had. But the reader, quote unquote, my friend (laughs) is thinking about that as the way you represent India. Uh, For example, these pharma protests or, uh, you know, the vaccine or the COVID crisis in India, how is it going? And when I speak with them, I realize that, oh my God, this is so much misinformation. And we have forgotten to um, look at the other point of view and then make our point of view. (laughs) We have lost that intellect. We have lost that intellectual pursuit. And uh, in, especially in the divided United States, it is so important to reach out to people on both sides of any issue and make your own opinion about that issue rather than basing it on you know, a limited purview of any one side. Uh, so I think uh, if people are listening to this podcast and come up all the way now till 30 minutes, this would be my request to you is uh, reach out to people that you will never think of talking. Most likely because of the pandemic, they are at home. They will accept your LinkedIn request and they will make time for 30 minutes for you. That's what happened to me. Hmm. Like all these people that I have spoken, they are at home just like me. They are in lockdown. 
they better not travel and 30 minute conversation about uh, you know what interests you what are your passions what are my passions let's explore some synergies i think it's a high time that people uh, you know look at an innovation that can come from left field as they say hmm. and that can only happen when you have those social relationships so yeah you left it right there on the table and i have to pick it up if there's you know one thing one or two things that people are getting wrong about india what what, what would you say those are there are many things that people are getting wrong but the most important thing to remember is india is still a very peaceful place where the culture of india is still alive and people are living in harmony with each other and for that you will have to experience you will have to come here or believe people that like me are uh, a bridge between the united states and india uh, i don't mean to say there is no violence in india there is there is violence everywhere and we just need to empower people to recalibrate uh, the space and the emotions that they are dealing with but overall india is uh, is a is a peaceful country That's it for this episode of That's So Hindu. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's how you can help the show get discovered by more listeners. You can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at www.hinduamerican.org slash donate.